0: What's up, everybody? You're listening to Shooting the Schmidt. I am so excited to be back. It's been a few weeks since I've been able to put out uh, a podcast. You know, I've just been busy. I've had some computer problems. I started a new job, so I've been kind of busy working with, working on that and things like that. But so excited to be back. So excited that the NBA Finals have finally started. we got the Bucks and the Suns. If you're following me on TikTok, then you know I told you last night to bet on the Suns to cover and they did at minus five and a half so we're 1-0 on NBA finals bets so far looking to go 2-0 tomorrow night so let's get into it game one what happened what do we see and look, I think this is going to be a really good series okay so the first thing that we saw I think the biggest storyline in this game was Giannis got to play not only did Giannis get to play he looked like a very good version of himself right I don't think Giannis is quite 100% I think that when we look at just the way he played especially offensively he wasn't super aggressive he only took 11 shots only made six of them he did you know attempt 12 free throws though made seven of them which is a good sign as well in order for the Bucks to win this series Giannis is going to have to be good from the free throw line and look seven of twelve for him that's I mean that's solid. You can't really ask for for much more out of Giannis when it comes to him making his free throws. I thought he rebounded well. He battled really well inside. You know he finished the night with 17 rebounds and 20 points. I mean that's insane. He had the crazy chase down block to end the second quarter. I mean he looked really good. You know he, he played 35 minutes, and so hopefully you know we'll see him be a little bit more aggressive offensively going into this next game. Chris Middleton played okay. You know, he got hot for a little bit in the third quarter. I feel like that's where most of his offense was really generated, was over that, you know, four or five-minute stretch in the third quarter where, where he knocked down a few threes. Outside of that, you know, I feel like he kind of floated. I didn't think he was great for them. Drew Holiday was awful. There's really no other way to put it. I mean, he was really bad, only 4-14 from the field. 0 from three. He did have nine assists and seven rebounds, though, so I will commend him on that. That is impressive. But for the Bucks to beat this Phoenix Suns team, he's gonna have to be better offensively, especially if you know Giannis isn't you know a full one hundred percent. So I do want to give the Suns credit, though. I don't want to make it sound like the Bucks just played terrible. I thought that the Suns really took advantage of Milwaukee switching all the screens. You know, especially you know when Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez were in the game. You know, Chris Paul he had the back-to-back possessions where to be blunt he just kind of made Bobby Portis look stupid right like it was very obvious that you know Bobby Portis can't guard Chris Paul obviously he can't guard Devin Booker and I thought the Suns did a great job of exploiting that in the Bucks' game plan of wanting to switch all the screens and look it gets Drew Holiday off the ball too and you know part of the advantage of having a guy like Drew Holiday for the Bucks is he's a great defender right you know, he's voted first team all defense this year. And so if they're, you know, able to get him out of the play because he's switching on to Ayton, I mean, that's exactly what the Suns want to do. And, man, the Suns were just, that's one of the best games I think that they've played. I mean, Macal Bridges had 14, Ayton had 22, 22 and 19. Like, Aiton, he's played so well in these playoffs, you know. You know, that 2018 draft class, you know, he was the number one overall pick. Is he the best player in that class? No, but... Definitely was worthy of the number one overall pick. And, you know, he's proven it. You know, he was 8 of 10 from the field. You know, he, he did the three R's. He rolled, ran the floor. And, what's the third R? It doesn't matter. He played great. That's that's the point I'm trying to make. And, you know, he's plus, he's plus or minus. He was plus 13. The entire Phoenix Sun starting lineup was plus at least 10. Ayton Aiton had the worst plus minus at plus 13. Jay Crowder finished the night. Plus nineteen. And wasn't re- responsible for a single point scored. Okay, he was 0 of eight from the field, oh five of five from three. I take that back. He scored one point. He was re- responsible for one point. He was one or two from the free throw line. Didn't have a single assist, but he had nine rebounds. He had a block. He played good defense. I mean, I was, you know, that's just the most Jay Crowder stat ever. It's like, yeah, like I'm gonna be responsible for one point. Go plus nineteen because I'm gonna I'm gonna rebound and play play good play good defense. And it was really impressive, you know, just to watch him. He's the only player in this series who has played in the NBA Finals before. Obviously, he played in the NBA Finals last year. And, yeah, I mean, Chris Paul didn't disappoint. You know, he came out, off, kind of got off to a little rocky start. He missed some shots that he usually makes. But, you know, it was the leading scorer on the night. You know, he finished with 32, 4-7 from 3. He closed it out down the stretch. The M one he had, that was kind of the dagger. To put them up by 8 with about a minute and a half left. Where he just kind of stopped in front of Giannis and flipped it up. I mean it was a great shot. Finished with 32 and 9. He was responsible for 51 total points. Which is 54 excuse me. Which is the third most ever only behind Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan. For most most points responsible for in a finals debut. I mean he was nothing short of spectacular. Devin Booker wasn't great. You know, he ended up scoring 27. wasn't super super efficient. You know, only eight of 21 from the field, only one of eight from three. He did make 10 free throws, though. That's the other thing. Like this Suns team, they they missed one free throw. They're 25 of 26 from the free throw line. They just do all the little things that make a team great. Like they don't turn the ball over. They only had nine turnovers. The Bucks had 13. I mean, look, a part of that is having it's it's the Chris Paul effect. Teams that have Chris Paul, they don't turn the ball over. Okay, like Chris Paul only had two turnovers. So they do a great job of holding on to the ball. They make free throws. They rebound really well. You know, mainly that's mainly because of Aiden. He's just an absolute beast on the glass. And I was just really impressed with them. Their bench ended up scoring twenty two points. Um Cam Johnson, I thought, played great minutes off the bench. He defended well. You know, he's got a beautiful looking jump shot. He shot the ball, played good defense. He he had a couple steals. So I was really impressed with them as well. And the Bucks. They they gotta figure they got some stuff that they have to figure out. Okay, I'm gonna be interested to, interested to see how many minutes Brook Lopez and Bobby Portis get going into this next game. It's pretty obvious that when they're on the floor, the Bucks are gonna look to or excuse me, the Suns are gonna look to attack those two guys, especially if the Bucks continue to switch screens. So it'll be interesting. I felt like the Bucks' best lineup was the lineup that they started the fourth quarter with, with Giannis at the five. Because then you know, if you switch the screen, obviously Giannis is going to be much more successful defensively against guys like Chris Paul and Devin Booker than Brook Lopez or Bobby Portis. You know, like you know, Giannis is freak athlete, super long. He moves his feet well. So I'm gonna, I would expect to see a lot more small ball coming from the Bucks. So you know, Giannis at the five, Tucker at the four, Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Pat Connaughton. You know, they also had a lineup. Late in that fourth quarter, it was Forbes, Connaughton, Middleton, Antetokounmpo, and Holiday just to get more shooting out there. But the problem with that is, you know, we saw the Suns then begin to attack attack Forbes when they had the ball, and so it's going to be really interesting to kind of see the adjustments that Budenholzer makes. And look, he's got an opportunity here talking about Mike Mike Budenholzer to reverse this idea that he's not a great coach, right? I think people look at him right now. Is a very average coach, he doesn't make great adjustments. And so he's got an opportunity here to show that he does have the ability to make adjustments, that he does have the ability to change the outcome of a series due to his coaching, right? And look, this is where coaches make their money, right? It's, it's in the playoffs. It's between games where they make their adjustments. This is where these great coaches make their money. And Monty Williams, I thought he was great. Some of the out-of-balance plays that the Suns had I thought were fantastic, and yeah, it, it's this is gonna be a really fun series. I do like the Suns and Six, and yeah, I couldn't be more excited. You know, it feels like all of in, all of the NBA is pulling for the Suns. I think everybody wants to see Chris Paul finally win a ring, which he is so deserving of after the great career that he's had. And yeah, it's gonna be great. And I'm looking forward to Game Two tomorrow night. We're going to take a short break and then we'll be back with more shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more shooting the Schmidt. And I want to talk about a player that has been really at the center of these playoffs since they started. And that is Chris Paul, who continues to be at the center, right? You know, this is a big moment for him in his career. It's year 16. Trying to is playing in his first NBA finals, hoping to win his first NBA finals. And really, since the first round, I mean, he has been the focal point of the playoffs. It feels like, right? You know, he has his injury in the first round against the Lakers, and you know, people are that's kind of the focus there. And then he has a fantastic closeout game to close out. The Lakers, and you know, it's great, fantastic game six, scores like 40 points, puts them away. They move on to Denver. He plays great, they sweep the Nuggets, and then they play the Clippers, who sadly, you know, didn't have Kawhi, but you know, Chris Paul still plays great, and he wins that series. And like, he's going to be the focal point of this NBA Finals, like, it's year 16. You know he's playing in his first career NBA Finals. He's hoping to win his first NBA title, which is going to do a lot for him in terms of legacy, and that's kind of what I want to get into here. Like, what is Chris Paul's legacy if the Phoenix Suns do indeed go on to win this? And I think it becomes interesting. I think he becomes a top five point guard of all, all time. I think I'd I'd probably have him fourth. That's probably as of right now where I think I'd put him. Because he just he doesn't have enough to surpass Isaiah Thomas, Magic Johnson, and Oscar Robinson. I think currently, you know, without the title, he falls into the kind of Steve Nash, John Stockton. Maybe you put Jason Kidd in there, and that's kind of where he resides right now. And as this great pass-first playmaking point guard who couldn't really get it done. So I guess you wouldn't include Jason Kidd in that category. But, you know, he kind of kind of fits in there with those guys. Whereas, you know, if he wins this, then, you know, you can put him up there with Magic Johnson and Oscar Robinson and Isaiah Thomas and these great point guards like that. I think that you can make a real case for him being a top 50 player ever, right? Especially when we look at his impact that he's had, you know, on every team, right? Every team that he's been to, he steps in and they immediately start to win, right? You know, the, the, I guess they're the Pelicans now, but when he broke into the league, the New Orleans Hornets, they were very good, and then they drafted Chris Paul, and then they were formidable. They were a solid team. And then he goes to the Clippers, and, who were absolutely terrible. And they bring in Chris Paul, and he elevates them, right? You know, they're making the playoffs, whereas before, you know, they weren't, right? They were struggling to really, you know, do anything, despite having... You know, a prime Blake Griffin and a really good DeAndre Jordan. And then, you know, they bring in Chris Paul and all of a sudden, you know, they're a consistent playoff team. Right. And then the year that it looked like they're going to have a shot at really kind of maybe making a run. They have the thing with the racist owner and all that kind of threw everything off track. And it just it was all bad. And then they just I think that was their best team. That was their best shot at having a title run. But obviously, you know, they ended up losing that year. And then, you know, he gets shipped out to the Rockets to play with James Harden. And, you know, he changes the way he plays. You know, he's playing off the ball more. He really improves his three-point shooting. And all of a sudden, you know, we're thinking, you know, the Rockets, they may beat the Warriors here in the Western Conference Finals. And then Chris Paul goes down with a hamstring injury. And, you know, you can kind of kiss those dreams goodbye at that point, right? We know what happens. Steph Curry shows up goes crazy. James Harden is unable to win one game by himself. And, you know, I had to get the little James Harden jab in there. (laughs) And James Harden's like, no, like I'm done with Chris Paul. Get him out of here. I want Russell Westbrook, which is one of the dumbest decisions that I think James Harden has ever made. (laughs) And so they they ship him out to Oklahoma City. And, you know, we kind of expected to see Chris Paul in a similar role in Oklahoma City, kind of like to what we saw Al Horford this year. A Horford didn't play, um, and you know he just kind of sat until he got traded. And I have so much respect for Chris Paul because he was—he's such a competitor. He's like, no, I'm gonna play, and they play, and they end up making the playoffs as a five seed and going to a game seven. And like, it is just—it is the Chris Paul effect. You know, everywhere he goes, teams just improve and they get better. And I think that when you look at all of that and then you look at him taking a young phoenix team to the NBA finals and you know i i do think they'll end up winning the finals and winning it i think you could make a real case for him being a top 50 player of all time and the fourth best point guard ever and which would be awesome for him you know personally growing up love chris paul and you know i try to ignore NBA twitter but it's really hard not to with how much i get on there and it's really interesting to kind of look at how NBA Twitter looks at the Phoenix Suns, and I don't want to say that they don't appreciate Chris Paul, but I don't think that they appreciate Chris Paul, right? I see a lot of stuff on how you know Devin Booker's the best player on that team, and he probably is, right? You know, he's definitely the most. Skilled score. He's probably a little bit of a better defender than Chris Paul just because of the size and the length. But at the end of the day, they also like to make fun of, you know, when you turn on ESPN or FS1 or whatever you like to listen to, people talk a lot about Chris Paul's leadership and things like that. And does that matter? Yes, it's important. I think it's part of the reason why the Phoenix Suns are as good as they are. But it's just interesting to see people kind of poke fun at this kind of stuff. And it's interesting because like, this stuff is so important. Like, that's part of what makes LeBron James so great is like his leadership and his ability to get guys to follow him. Same thing with Michael Jordan. Same thing with any great player. Same thing with Magic Johnson. And bringing in a guy like Chris Paul, who I think works extremely well on these younger teams because like Devin Booker grew up watching Chris Paul play basketball. Aiden grew up watching Chris Paul play. And... So he's already got this respect when he goes in, and he's able to come alongside these guys and basically be another coach and help these guys develop. Whereas I think part of why James Harden wanted Chris Paul gone is because Chris Paul doesn't care who you are. He's going to come along beside you and try and help you and coach you and yell at you and get in your face and all that. And look, I don't think James Harden liked that. You know, that Houston Rockets team, like when you look at it, it was full of older, more kind of, hardened veterans, right? There weren't a lot of young guys on that team. Whereas, like, with the Suns team, you know, the the two young stars are Aiton and, you know, Booker, both under the age of 25. And so they want that. They want this year 17 veteran to get in their face and to help them coach and to take them to places that they hadn't been before. Whereas, you know, some of these older veterans can look at Chris Paul and be like, dude, like, you, you never even made an NBA Finals team. And... Yeah, I think we saw the same thing in Oklahoma City. He was able to go in and kind of do the same thing, really kind of help string these young guys along. Like, you know, Shea Gilders Alexander was soaking up every word that Chris Paul had, right? And so it's insane to me, like, how great of a fit this has been for him here in Phoenix. I'm excited to kind of see where people regard him in terms of greatest point guards of all time, in terms of, like, where does he finish at on, like, an all-time list? Like, I... I think he would for sure be a top 50 player ever. Could he be a top 40? Maybe. Like like high, like, like 38, 39, like somewhere kind of in that range. Obviously, for him to get that high, he definitely has to win this NBA Finals. And, yeah, I'm excited. Chris Paul, you know, I'm a huge Chris Paul guy. Love his game. Everything about it. And, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the series to continue on Thursday. And you know, I'm excited to hopefully see... Chris Paul win his first ring, you know the reaction to that. I think is going to be, I think it's going to be awesome, and I can't wait to kind of see the NBA community's reaction to Chris Paul winning the whole thing. And yeah, I can't wait. I'm also interested to see who wins Finals MVP. You know, obviously, if Chris Paul continues to put up thirty and nine every night, then he'll win it. But you know, Devin Booker is going to continue to play well. It'll be interesting to kind of see how the media votes on that. I think they'll end up giving it to Chris Paul just because, you know, the Phoenix Suns were a non-playoff team last year before Chris Paul showed up. And, look, I understand that, you know, they're only supposed to vote purely based on what goes on in the finals and things like that, but they consider those other things. I think it's just human nature to think about the past and the impact that guys have when they're brought in. So it's going to be interesting. I'm excited. I cannot wait for Game 2 tomorrow night. And it's going to be great. So I'm going to take another short break. And when we come back, we will wrap up shooting the Schmidt. Don't go anywhere. And we're back with the final segment of today's show here on shooting the Schmidt. And so we are less than two months away. I guess it starts next month from college football beginning. And I am so excited for next month. College football will be back. There's already momentum, obviously, The playoff committee is reviewing the idea for a 12-team playoff. People are excited about that. And now the NIL rules have come through for college athletics, where name, image, and likeness, players are able to make money off of that, as they should. You should be allowed to make money off of your own name. Like, it is your name, right? So it's exciting. I'm excited for these guys. We see guys all across, and girls. We see people all across the country signing these deals. Barstool's got a big thing where... They're sponsoring athletes. The entire Arkansas offensive line signed deals with Wright's Barbecue, which is a local Arkansas barbecue kind of thing, which is exciting. And there's just so much going on. It's exciting for these players. They're going to have opportunities to make some money before they leave college. And, yeah, it's going to be really great for these guys. But, you know, there are people who are concerned about this. They think, you know, the rich are going to get richer they think this is going to help recruiting at these bigger schools. And I'm not too too sure that it will. And if you want to be, you know, signing these big NIL deals. If you want to be, you know, like a Johnny Manziel who would have made a lot of money. If you want to be like a Tim Tebow who would have made a lot of money. If you want to be like a Reggie Bush who would have made a lot of money. If you want to be like Vince Young who would have made a lot of money. You have to you have to accomplish two things. First thing. When you look at Tim Tebow, who I think would have made the most money out of Any of these guys. Any of them. I think he would have made more money than Reggie Bush. I think he would have made more money than Vince Young. You have to go to a school where you can step in and play almost immediately. Like, you need to be a freshman or sophomore if you want to make the most amount of money possible, right? And that's where I think that these smaller schools can really kind of help improve, right? This is where—this is the selling point for them. This is, look, if you go to the University of Alabama— not only are you going to have to sit out for not pretty much two years, right? Like you're probably not not going to get on the field till you're a junior, just to show NFL scouts what you're good at, what you can do. You're going to have to wait two years to sign these NIL deals, and then guess what? You have to you have to come back for your senior year for them to kind of continue through. Unless obviously you go pro and they want to continue the deal through that. And so I think that these smaller schools, maybe not smaller schools, but these lesser known Power Five programs are going to have this brand new kind of sales pitch that they're able to give, which I think will be kind of an interesting thing to to look out for. You know, it's exciting. I'm interested to kind of see how this changes recruiting. One of the best rules that I really do like, it's really important, schools that, excuse me, companies that help sponsor the school in any way, shape, or form cannot offer NIL deals. So, like, for example... And I know the most about the University of Arkansas, so I'm going to use them. So Walmart, Tyson Chicken, and there's another console, right? So which is a great rule. You know, this keeps, you know, from companies just basically paying players to go to schools that they like, even though that is probably going to happen here at some point. What I'm very interested to see is what are these former players going to do, right? Because... A lot of you know NFL players. They have businesses on the side and things like that. Are they going to start you know sponsoring some of these athletes that go to their school, right? Like can Marlon Humphrey, you know, defensive back for the Ravens, open up the bank account for you know players at the University of Alabama where he where he went to school at? Can he you know use his businesses to get players to go play at Alabama? Right. Can former Clemson players do that? Can, you know, former players do that, you know, to lure these high school guys to go play for their former schools? And it's going to be interesting. You know, I'm interested to see kind of how this really affects recruiting, because I think that's where it's going to have the biggest impact. I think that cultures in college. They're a little bit different from the NFL, at least currently they are. We'll see if NIL changes them or not. And what I'm talking about here is, you know, there's a lot of concern of, well, how are these guys who don't make as much money as some of these other guys going to feel, right? Which is, you know, a fair question. But as a guy who has been in, you know, a college baseball locker room, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Because, look, like when you show up on day one, like you, you know who the better players are, okay? Like as soon as this NIL thing was proposed and it got through, the players at Alabama, they they all know who's gonna sign NIL deals, who's gonna make the most money. Like guys already know, okay, and like it's not like so. I don't think guys are gonna be super upset, super butthurt hurt about it. I think from a culture standpoint in these locker rooms, I think everybody's really just gonna they'll be fine. Like I wouldn't really worry about culture and things like that. So I'm interested to see how it's gonna affect recruiting because I definitely think that that's where it's gonna have its greatest. Impact. So, before I wrap it up, uh, as always, got, got to promote the, the social medias. Follow me on Twitter at J Schmidt underscore four. Follow me on TikTok at shooting underscore the underscore Schmidt. Go check it out. Follow me on there. Go like my videos. I have an idea for a new podcast, but I need help from an already established corporation like Barcel Sports or The Ringer or Volume Sports. And so, you know, we're trying to get something going there. So, make sure you go follow me on TikTok. Go follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram, too, I guess. It's Jason underscore four. I don't really get on there. But, you know, it's whatever. So, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. Um, one last thing. I believe that I want to tell y'all who to bet on for Game 2 of the NBA Finals. I believe that the Phoenix Suns are currently five-and-a-half-point favorites. I would take... Man, I, hmm, I would probably take the, yeah, it's it's Phoenix minus 5.5. I would take the Suns minus 5.5. I, I would take them again. Because, you know, Coach, Coach Budenholzer, it'll take him a couple games to kind of figure out what he wants to do. You know, it takes him a little bit to make his adjustments. So, so that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening. I will be back on Friday. Hopefully you guys will tune in then. So once again, thanks for listening to Shooting the Schmidt, and I'll see you on Friday.